Robinson, Sabonis, two-man game inside. Domas, dominant, dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid, and he got some dog in. And the steal, they can tie it with a three. Murray, yes! A Murray miracle in the desert! Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today we got special guest Drew Guy. Yeah, That's Drew last name. last name. Drew last name. True last name. Perfect. Perfect. It's like I, I used to have a buddy uh, named Tushar and his Xbox username. You know how it like auto fills player one and then you're supposed to yeah. delete that and then type in whatever you want your username to be. Uh-huh. Instead, this guy's Xbox username was player one Tushar because he didn't know you were supposed to delete it. So I don't know why that made me think of that. I haven't thought of that in forever, but yeah. similar just the other way yeah. around. Yeah. That local guy on twitter for anyone unaware simultaneously the smartest and dumbest person that i know <laughs> probably my favorite thing about you but i appreciate you hopping on man man i appreciate the kind words uh there yeah i i take pride in being probably the most confusing uh twitter account to a lot of people definitely when i first just appeared out of nowhere to a lot of people in the king's fan base they were like what, what does this guy do and why is he talking about play sets and Nexus knows one second and then Arby's and Adalberto's the next. But hey, I, I don't know. I guess it's just my brand, but um, it's gotten me here. It's gotten me to the King's Pulse podcast with Brendan Nunez. So I, if anybody has ever told you that just tweeting BS can't get you anywhere, they lied. They lied. They lied to you. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing, and I've shared this with you, but Bonnie McNair has asked me about the duality of your tweets. So (laughs) I I think you're doing all right for yourself. Yeah, that's so funny. When I when I when I was on Deuce and Mo uh, the first time, I think about a month ago for the radio show, they also asked me about that as well. And then even last week. I, I made a joke on my second appearance on Deuce and Mo, and I did not know that Monty McNair was a was a loyal Deuce and Mo listener. But I wondered if he had seen my my tweet about my my son crying in the concourse after the Kings laid an egg <laughs> against the Spurs when they could have clinched the division. And he responded to my tweet and said that he actually did see it, and he hoped that the team had made up for it in New Orleans. They certainly did. So shout out to Monty McNair and. If you could relay the message to him, Brendan, just tell him I'm sorry. Just sorry for everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll get him on the line right now here, and hopefully he picks up. You know, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But while there are these confusing RB tweets and moments that have all of us praying for your son that may or may not exist, (laughs) you know basketball as well as anybody that I know. And... I guess that's the reason I have you on. I appreciate the high quality memes or low quality memes, however you want to pitch it. It's a combination of both. Low quality memes are high quality memes in a way, you know? Yeah. But you have a great basketball mind. Thank you. And that is going to be the only compliment that you get throughout this entire episode. <laughs> hey, you know what? But- Sounds good, dude. I, I, I'll take whatever I can get. Uh, one compliment makes my entire month, so I'll take that. The plan is to dive into Sacramento's first playoff matchup and postseason matchup in 17 years and Mm -hmm. 16 seasons Mm -hmm. which is going to be against the golden state warriors we are also live um so there will be 
comments flowing in through here. If anybody wants to throw anything our way and anybody listening on the audio side can stay on the lookout on YouTube for any future live episodes. But Drew, first reaction from you when you find out that it's going to be the Golden State Warriors that Sacramento's matched up with. My immediate reaction was, of course, because <laughs> I'm sure many of you are aware now, but since these two teams have moved to Northern California, since 1985, they have not made the postseason in the same season since they've both moved to Northern California. So it took 38 years for that to happen. And of course, the first time it happens, they face off against one another. So definitely that was my initial reaction was, of course. I mean, <laughs> this was this was how it was always going to be. And I think a lot of people kind of, you know, it, I kind of get the sense from the fan base like everybody's kind of feeling like really first postseason appearance in, in 16 seasons, 17 years. And your gift is the defending champions. Um, yeah, I, I, I would say it was, I think I had been resigned to the fate of the war, you know, facing the warriors, uh, probably like a, a week in advance, you know, just, just mathematically looking at things looking at how the Kings were going to play things going, coming down the stretch and that involving a game against the Warriors and kind of just everybody's remaining schedules. It, it kind of seemed like mathematically that was just how it was going to work out. And lo and behold, here we are. Uh, the Kings, in a season in which they get the three seed, have to face off against the defending champions as a six seed. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very excited. I will say initially also I was very, very excited from a basketball standpoint. I mean, this is going to be some beautiful, beautiful offensive basketball. But obviously that's you know, partly due to the fact that the Kings certainly are not a good defensive team and, and the Warriors are exploitable on uh, when it comes to their defense. So uh, there, there's going to be a lot of points and it's going to be up and down. It's going to be fun, but man, there's going to be very, very little defense being played out there. I'd imagine. We will see. That is definitely what I expect from Sacramento side. I think that's kind of one of the interesting aspects from Golden State side. You know, everybody likes to say that, or at least I've seen it around a lot that, well, coming into last year, nobody expected Golden State to be able to do what they did. They they did have the second ranked defense last year, mm. and they still had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins. I think plays great offensively. Jordan Poole, even yeah. though he kind of laid an egg in the postseason, obviously has offensive capabilities. This year, they're 14th in defensive rating, mm -hmm. and this is kind of where I want to start with you because a lot of that has to do with Wiggins not being there. Wiggins. We find this has only played 37 games this year. The last time he played was on February 13th. He just returned to Golden State on April 4th, and that is 11 days prior to game one. And Sam Amick wrote an article um, kind of breaking down that press conference that he had that first gate, uh, day that he was back. And, you know, he said that he'd been staying in game shape and, and he had a family scenario for for anybody unaware that he'd been dealing with. He, he said that he'd been staying in shape, but declined having a Golden State trainer go out there and work with him. Instead, he was kind of just working with his own guy. Mm -hmm. What? I, I don't even know if it's fair to ask you what to expect from Andrew Wiggins, because I'd assume you just have no clue the same way I don't. But like, how big of an X factor is Wiggins conditioning to you as primarily from my perspective, as the guy that would be assigned to De'Aaron Fox. Right. So that, that was, that was where I was going to go with that is 
yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna have to take on the assignment of 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 trying to shut down Fox and uh yeah, if if he's out of shape and, and or just out of game shape, I I I don't know if I can expect very much from him really on on both ends of the floor. I mean, it's not like he's gonna be trotted out there and just you know give you nothing, but I mean, he was so good last season when when Mike Brown decided that he was going to just sick him on the other team's primary ball handling, didn't matter who it was. And he would just have him face guard or he would just have him, you know, just apply on ball pressure for 94 feet. And it might not seem like very much, but the difference in getting into a set with 20 seconds left on the shot clock, as opposed to 16, 17 seconds on the shot clock, huge difference. You know, if you make the primary ball handler work to get the ball across half court, and then you kill a little bit of more time, and they get into their set a little bit later than they planned to, that can throw things off. That really throws you off your rhythm. And in that role, specifically on defense, he was exceptional. I I, I thought that that was, I mean, that, that was paramount in that Mavs series in the Western Conference Finals. He really, really made Luka work. And if he's not able to do that, or if they try it and he's just ineffective against Fox, and I mean, Fox is completely different than a Luka Doncic, right? He's got game-breaking speed. He's probably the fastest guy end-to-end with or without the ball in his hands in the NBA. I, I just, I'm not quite sure what he gives you if he's, if he's, if he's out of shape or if he's not in total game shape yet, and he's not able to move laterally as well as he should um, on defense and, and offensively. I mean, who knows, who knows that's, that's a complete wild card right now. We don't know what Andrew Wiggins is going to look like, you know, even, even it's just like a spot up threat. You know, I, I went through and I watched the first couple of meetings in golden or in San Francisco between these two teams this past season, he he's he he plays within himself in that offense, and, and that's what makes him so great playing alongside those guys. Is he doesn't have to do very much. He he, he doesn't have that pressure of the uh, number one overall pick anymore. He can just spot up. He can attack closeouts when the ball is swung. That's what makes him so good on this team. I'm not sure if they're going to be getting the optimal version of that on offense. So really, they're question marks on both ends. But the second I heard that he was back in San Francisco, I'm like, okay, that. <laughs> still makes me a little bit nervous. And if he's going to go out there and he's going to give a lot more than what they expect and, and, and more than what we as Kings fans expect. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it might be a long, it might be a long series if, if they get even like 80% of regular Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. I feel like I'm a, I was on a TV station recently and got asked, um, that was not an intentional flex, by the way. And and got oh, hey, asked, hey, humble, humble, brag, humble brag. Yeah. You know, I was just on national TV. No big deal. <laughs> not national. Um, got asked. And they, they told me prior to the uh, going live that pretty much what all my questions were going to be. But they didn't tell me they were going to ask me. It, I mean, I don't know. They kind of did. I had the conversation after. Uh, but they did specifically, at least I did not feel prepared to specifically answer who is your most – what matchup do you like the best for the Kings? And at this point, I was only taking it in from my mind what I viewed as realistic matchups, being the Warriors, the Suns, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Timberwolves. And I went up there and said the Golden State Warriors kind of in a panic. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but a lot of that had to do with Andrew Wiggins. It was at the point where I was like, if Wiggins is not there, to me, that's the team – that you're just getting into a shootout with and 
give me the the Kings that are averaging the most points in the league and the Warriors are averaging the second most. And I honestly don't think they'd be favored in really any of those matchups. Mm-hmm. And maybe I overrated the Lakers offense. I do think they're really good defensively, but my God, they couldn't get a shot to save their life today. I'm going <laughs> to ask you about those playing games a little bit later. Um, but Wiggins being available and Wiggins, whatever his conditioning is specifically when it comes to containing De'Aaron Fox, I think is so important because after that, I don't really know who their option is. Like Gary Payton has the same concerns. I don't know that if it wasn't the postseason right now that Gary Payton wouldn't be back. He hasn't looked like himself in my mind when he's yeah. since he's come back from his abdominal surgery. Dante DiVincenzo is an okay option. Um, I don't think that Clay, while I do think he's back to maybe not the same form, but like a still elite form offensively. He's not the same foot speed or, or lateral movement that he used to be defensively. So I think that Wiggins kind of needs to be the guy from golden state's perspective when it comes to shutting down De'Aaron. So that's going to be a big X factor to me there. Um, I also got through those first two games that these teams played against each other, which there's things to take from them, but it's really frustrating how much the context is screwed at this point. The first game, Kaziak Pala is playing. Yeah. And then starting. I'm like, yes, yeah, starting. And then I'm like six minutes into this game. And then Rashawn Holmes and James Wiseman check into the game at the same time. I'm like, all right, well, there goes that. I don't know what the hell is going on from here. Mm-hmm. And then in game two, the like Keegan Murray's finally starting in this one. But like De'Aaron Fox is still wearing Converse. <laughs> and Malik Monk still has a Band-Aid on his face just to get a feel for how long ago this was. And even mm-hmm. like you look at some of these games, you can see how different the rotations are compared yeah. to what Mike Brown eventually settled into. Um, that being said, the context is frustrating. I do think there are things to take away from watching these back. Um, I- I'm curious your perspective, how much you feel like there was that you were able to take away and what the standout things were to you. Yeah, the rotations, I I just, I'm like, man, I cannot believe that this player or that player got X amount of minutes in in any game, (laughs) really, at that point. Who are we talking about here? You don't need to beat around the bush. Terrence Davis or what? KZ most, I mean, KZ mostly for that first one. Um, Yeah, TD. And Mike Brown hadn't gone all the way. I mean, and it's not like we see it a ton, but. You know when he when 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 he when he has to and when he wants to he can go small ball five with Trey Lyles right and that that really wasn't something that he was experimenting with at least I don't think so at that point in the season very much. No, and, we, I, I, there were definitely minutes where Mezzi and Rashawn were sh- sharing the floor. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I remember that I don't know Holmes being on the floor with any other big. It just it makes me it makes me think about before the season when th- there was a very small corner of Twitter. And I think it was probably driven by his contract and how much he was getting paid. Like they wanted to see Rashawn Holmes out there with DeMontis Sabonis. No, Rashawn got asked about it at the beginning of the year. I remember being in media scrums and him getting really? asked about it and being like, yeah, I, I can totally do that. Like, hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. He, can, he, can, he, can, he can just he can just space the floor from 10 he feet. He can do it all, man. That trebuchet shot is Dude, crazy. That, that thing the, is <laughs> I, I will admit I was at the last home game and pulling up trebuchet videos to explain to Chris <laughs> Watkins what exactly that looks like because I swear it looks just like Rashawn's jumper. Yeah, a hundred percent. But yeah, look, I, the main takeaways: the 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 Kings' offense, which eventually became the highest-rated offense in league history, was nowhere near 
where it is now, obviously. They were still trying to feel it out a little bit. They were probably five or six counters away from 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 it being an elite offense. They they really were running like it was basically just vanilla offense. It's like it's like the equivalent of watching a preseason NFL game where they run like you know ten plays the entire actual game and they just recycle the same ones over and over and over again. Right. That that's kind of what it felt like watching that offense a little bit. There were some moments where I was like, oh okay, I I, I never would have expected them to layer this on top of that based on what I see right now. But I mean, it's, I think I think you actually said it to me uh, earlier in the season. You said that that the coaching staff wanted this offense to be unscoutable. It it essentially has become that. Uh, I it's really really difficult to to really take away anything from this offense right now the way it is because whatever it is that you try to take away from them, they're not going to fight it. They're just they're just going to take what you give them and then they're going to turn it into a counter. And it, that's a big reason why they've become the best offense you know, this season in the league and in league history based on offensive rating. So the offense really just looks so different. And, and I, and I would imagine that that certainly has a lot to do with who was out there uh, back then as, as opposed to who's out there now, but there was that. And watching the warriors, I I just, I, I marvel at just how good that offense is. And like you said, I mean, there's a second highest scoring, second highest scoring team in the league. That's not an accident. And some of the stuff that they were running, I, I'm just like, man. And, and some of the stuff that I saw from them, eventually the Kings started running a lot of that, that a lot of that stuff. Yep. So it may, mainly the post splits and and um, you know some of the dribble handoff stuff and some of the pistol stuff. But God, there were there were clips I was watching where I'm like, oh, I I think I know it's coming based on how they're set up. And they just they just com- they just go a completely different direction with it. There was a play early in the game where they ran a post split. They entered it into the post, and they set a double. They set a staggered away screen for the guy coming off of the split. Whoever it was that came off the split came all the way around. I think it was Clay Thompson actually came all the way around it, and then in the deep corner he ran a two man game with Jonathan Kaminga, and they got a layup out of it. Second half, I think fourth quarter actually late in the game, they ran the same set, same setup, same look, and I'm just like, oh, Clay's going to come off this again. No, he just rejects both screens, slips to the basket, catches a dime from, I think it was Draymond, and just immediately on the catch, swings it out to Wiggins, wide open three, left wing. I, I'm I'm just like, this this offense is just unbelievable, and this is from their second matchup. Um, so the the stuff that the Warriors are running, it's just, it's staggering. And and when you when you factor in that they have guys like Steph and Clay, I, I'm watching that offense, and I'm just like, dude, this is going to... This is going to be hell to defend for the Kings. And I I really, really hope that, I mean, you know, and a seven game series is so different. There'll be adjustments. Mike Brown's going to try to probably throw the kitchen sink at these guys. You know, he, who knows what Mike Brown has up his sleeve, but just watching that game and just on paper, seeing who they have, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Like those were my main takeaways from watching those two early matchups in the season. And it, the, the most entertaining part to me with the Warriors and and I feel like the Kings offense has gotten to that same point although obviously like the main difference being I, I think Fox and Curry just the difference in those guys play styles and just their spots preferences on the floor but it's just trying to figure out like who is the one that makes the decision and then all the dominoes fall after that mm-hmm. you know what I mean and, and I feel like sometimes I have a decent idea, but then other times I'm not exactly sure. And 
I, I think that it is very dependent on each specific possession and kind of what's going on. It's all very read and react. I do think that both of these teams, Golden State had already been there, but Sacramento has gotten to the point where they are unscoutable, like you had mentioned. That was something Kevin Herter said that uh, said earlier in the year that they wanted to get to that point. This was super early in the year, and I think they are absolutely at that point. They're going to need to hesitate. I was going to say they need to slow down Steph Curry. You're not going to stop Steph Curry. Yeah. You need to make sure that he doesn't get any easy looks. And in those two games, he got way too many. It's not a crazy amount. But if there's like one every stretch that he's out there, it's like, okay, that's probably too much. And it's going to be the nature of Sacramento's to be blunt, horrible freaking defense. <laughs> but you really have to communicate off ball. If you're switching one to four, like it, correct me if I'm wrong, that's what it looked like they were doing a lot, that you need to make sure that communication is on point. And then Domas sort of being at the level when that screen is coming. But then what happens is while the other guy's trailing and going over to recover on Steph, the second Domas backs up and that guard defender isn't already in front of Steph, he's just pulling it. Like yep. it, it needs to be so perfect when it comes to Steph Curry. And I don't care if he's hitting ridiculous shots. He He's going to like, in my mind, Steph's getting 30. It is what it is. It's just don't give him easy ones that allow him to get into a rhythm and make some of those more difficult. Um, is there anybody? Let, let me just start with this. Do you worry about Kevin Herter? like I do when it comes to Steph Curry. Because I swear in the, watching those two games back, and it reminded me for sure that like Curry would pick Herter and be like, bring that guy over here. Yep. I'm going to go to work. And it usually worked out for him. Yeah, look, I got I got, I got love for my best bud, Kevin <laughs> Herter. And I, man, I, I love him to death. He's been so valuable for this team this season on offense. But... Yeah, he's going to get hunted. Same with Domas. Um, you know, it's same with Keegan, right? Like they will, they will hunt these switches. They will. Keegan they will... got his ankles taken in that first game. Yeah, yeah. And that was actually another thing. You know, just to just to jump back to that previous conversation we had. That was another thing. Keegan was just not the Keegan that he is now. Back no. then, it's crazy. Like he was, he he played like his personality back then. You know, it, it's not really like that anymore. <laughs> but yeah. Late in that game, uh, when it was a one-possession game, the Warriors, I think, just very quickly ran a ball screen involving – it was guard-guard, and it involved Herter. They got Fox off of Steph. They put Herter onto Steph. And what did they do after that? They just flattened out. 1-4. And Steph, Steph just went to work and hit a semi-contested 17-footer and drained it. Yeah, that's terrifying. Uh, that was just a late game thing in the regular season in, and that was in November, right? In, in April, May, that's, that's going to be an every possession thing They're they're going to hunt that mismatch and poor Kevin is, he's, he's going to get, he's going to get put in the spin cycle. He's going to get, he's going to get put in the, <laughs> the torture rack a little bit and hopefully he just holds his own. I, I, I mean, you, you really, who can stop Steph every single time he ISOs? Right, it's an impossible task. Like you're not going to stop him 100 of the time, but if he can at least be there with a solid contest, if he can at least be there to, um, you know, kind of 
right his hip a little bit and maybe give somebody else a chance to pinch down or somebody else to come over to help, then that's probably your best hope. But I'm worried. I'm worried about him. I'm worried about Keegan and 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 Domas. I mean, you know, when he's out there and he's in space, I think he's pretty good in space. Uh, foot speed's pretty solid. Lateral movement's not bad. I don't think we're giving him enough credit with that. Um, but you know, Steph Curry, Steph Curry. So yeah, that's, those guys are going to get hunted, and they they really just have to do just just enough. <laughs> before things just get completely out of hand because we, we all know it's coming uh it i you know on deuce and mo last week we talked about how Kyrie irving was doing that against the kings down the stretch in dallas in in, yep. in that game against them and that's probably we're gonna we're gonna be expecting a lot of similar stuff uh from from the warriors when it comes to how they're gonna attack mismatches and it's not just kevin it's malik it's keegan there was a couple times it was Trey Lyles in that game. Trey didn't get much run in those two games, but mm-hmm. I thought when he out there that when he was out there, they tried it a little bit. Someone who did play a good bit, and when he was out there, they were switching one to five and did all right. Was Chemezi Metu? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel about this <laughs> because everything in my body tells me that there's no way Chemezi Metu can be switched on to uh, Steph Curry. It seemed. Like they preferred other people like Mezzi would get switched on him. And then Curry, not that he doesn't want Mezzi, but more so I'd rather have somebody else. Like, what do you, what do you think of the idea of Mezzi in this switch everything? And I don't think this would happen often. I guess mm-hmm. I'll start with that. I think Domas needs to play 40, 42 minutes a game. Like, I think that's just what it is. I think yep. Sacramento needs DeMontis Sabonis. Everything runs through him, yep. and they're a completely different team without him, and they don't really have a good backup center option. Right. But what do you think about Mezzi being those six minutes and switching one to five? It's just wild that we're even having this conversation because Alex has usurped him over the last few weeks, and I, which was very interesting, but I totally understand from Mike Brown's standpoint. He needs to see what he's got down that bench. Alex Len, just being seven feet tall, really, really helps <laughs> just, just having a, just having a dude that's just that tall uh, who can offer some rim protection off the bench. I mean, it, it's, it'll help you come playoff time in this series. Mm, I don't know. Right. So yeah, Mezzi, Mezzi's probably going to get a look. And I, I do find that very, very interesting that they weren't, they weren't necessarily, I mean, like I, I think any switch, with a big of any sort onto Steph, like they're thrilled. If you're the Warriors, you're thrilled with that. But it is it is kind of interesting that they didn't attack that as much as you as much as you would think. I I I think I think it's I think it's interesting. I, I think it really is because you know, Mezzi's obviously bouncy. He's he's quite athletic. Um, as far as laterally staying in front of Steph, I, I mean nobody really can. And I don't think Mezzi falls into the category of guys who will at least make himself look not foolish if trying to stay in front of Steph, if he decides to go by him. But I mean, there might be something there and you can, you can mix up your pick and roll coverages a little bit more with Mezzi. You know, I I don't think Domas is necessarily bad if he hedges a little bit higher. I don't think he's, I don't think he's so, I don't, I don't think he's unathletic, but I don't think he's a negative athlete to where you can't do anything besides play him in a drop or play him at the level. I think you can, if there are opportunities where you want to blitz a ball screen, You'd probably rather do that with Mezzi. And 
and that and that's comes from the perspective of also keeping Domas out of foul trouble as well. You know, like you, you don't want Domas hedging high, sprinting back, and once the tag man leaves, he's back on his man. And if that pass gets there off that pick and roll, well then Domas might pick up a foul because he doesn't want to give up an easy two. Yeah, you know, like that that's that's a scenario. That's a that's a nightmare scenario for this for this team, right? So with Mezzi out there, you can try more coverages. I think you can be a little bit more aggressive if you wanted to try to trap a pick and roll. That kind of stuff is intriguing to me. But just on paper, Steph Curry versus Chemezi Metu. I just Yeah, come on now. I, 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 <laughs> but yeah. like Trey has been the guy to me where, like, to use Chris Watkins' word, I'm a Trey Bay. I'm absolutely <laughs> all about Trey at the backup five. But like from watching these two games back, which again, the context is kind of scuffed, but these guys were all playing against Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. And Curry very much was like, give me Trey Lyles. And I didn't quite see him do that with Chemezi Metu. Like, and there's an offense for defense trade-off here, right? right. I think that Trey is significantly better on offense than yep. Chemezi Metu. That's honestly where most of my frustrations come with Chemezi Metu is on the offensive end. I don't know. And again, I'm talking about probably eight minutes, ten minutes a game. Yeah. Yeah. So we we can move past that a little bit. What do you think for a little while in that game? It wasn't long, but they put Draymond on Davion for a little while. And he did not give a damn about Davion Mitchell at the three point line. And Davion hit a couple threes in one of those games. I think it was the second one. Yeah, it was the second game. Yeah. But how much do both Davion Mitchell and if he plays Kessler Edwards? just get ignored from the perimeter. I think it would be a little foolish to just completely ignore Kessler Edwards. He's shown that he can be a spot of three point threat. He, in that first meeting in March against Minnesota at home, he came in cold off the bench and, you know, made some huge plays on defense, did a good job on Ant Edwards and knocked down a huge spot of three and did the same thing in Phoenix. Not long after that, I think it'd be a little foolish to just kind of just sag off of him. Yeah, like I I think it's not like he's gonna get a ton of looks, but you know, if you keep on giving it to him and if you dare him to shoot, it's not like he's gonna be trigger shy, right? He's oh no, he pulls it. He he will pull it. Davion, that's another guy who just he looks completely different now. There there were people there were some very distasteful jokes being thrown around on Twitter about Davion Mitchell a couple months ago. People were saying that he better be ready to learn Chinese, which by the way, Chinese is not a language. It's either Mandarin or Canton or, or Cantonese. Right. So let's get that right. Uh, I'm not even Chinese, by the way. I'm just, I'm just educating the folks out there. Like if you're going to make the joke, you were Chinese, at least just saying, just turn that up for anybody can get a word in about it. Uh, at least, at least get the languages right. Um, yeah. Davion Mitchell, Hundred percent NBA player. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> he's gonna. He's 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 gonna be in this league for a long, long time. Obviously, because of his defense, his offense has been. I mean, it, it's it's not like he's going out there and he's lighting it up necessarily. But for a backup point guard, he's he's been he's been playing very very well since the All Star break. Offensively, you can't just leave him open anymore. I mean, uh, obviously, you you would rather give the open looks up to him than than you know maybe even Fox, right? Uh, you obviously wouldn't sag off of Herder and Keegan Murray. I mean, if you had to choose, he's be, he'd be one of the guys that you'd be okay sagging off of. But I don't think he's that player at this point in the season. 
you know, like he was early on in the season. He, he's not a negative on offense. He'll give you something. And, you know, at the very least, if he's not hitting his threes, he knows how to attack a closeout, take a couple dribbles and take a pull up. You know, he's, he's been pretty solid in that mid range area as well. Um, and if not, then he'll make a play for somebody else. So in the event that they try to do that, and I would understand why uh, Draymond is still very, very good defensively. He, he's, he's still just so valuable to that team on defense. You want him around the basket. You want him kind of roving, you know, being that help defender, tagging down, pinching down that type of, that type of thing in order to help the defense stay solid in the back line. If they choose to put Draymond on one of those guys, because they want him to sag off. Well, then you better hope those two guys you know, goes without saying, but you better hope those two guys make them pay for, for that decision. I think the Warriors try it and make those guys prove it. And I don't know what my confidence level would be in either one of them. It feels like a coin flip for both of them to me. Mm -hmm. I think that I agree with you. Davion's been really good for them offensively compared to what they need from him as of late. I think it's just not playing outside of himself. Yeah. Like he he's not turning the ball over. His assists aren't crazy or anything either, but he's just not doing too much, which is something I felt like was maybe an issue earlier in the year, just as he got adjusted to this offense. Yeah. It, it's a tough thing to learn. You know, you see it with a lot of golden state guys. And I think it somewhat applies to this Sacramento offense that we've seen grow and develop to the point it's at now as well. I think he's going to have to prove it. If he can hit threes though, in this series, if he can hit catch and shoot what I honestly think is going to be mainly wide open threes, mm -hmm. I think it'd be huge because I I'm curious your opinion, but I think we're going to see a decent amount of small ball lineups. And, you know, we've, we've seen that throughout the course of this year for sure, but even just watching those two games back and again, they were still figuring out rotations and everything, but at the end of game two, it's De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Davion Mitchell, Terrence Davis, and DeMontis Sabonis out there. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know about that small. I'm not exactly expecting Terrence Davis to play from game one. I yeah. think they're like, maybe you see Terrence Davis at some point because Mike doesn't like what he's getting from somebody else. So screw it. Let's try something else. Sure. And TD, if he comes in and hits a couple shots, that guy can change a game. Just with sheer putting up 15 points in eight minutes. You know, but do you think that we will see three, four guard lineups? And and I will say, I also think that because I think that's kind of what you get from Golden State. And that's different depending on what Wiggins is going to look like. But that was matching against uh, Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Dante DiVincenzo. Like they they have a pretty small lineup that yeah. they're working with on their side as well. Gary Payton, if he's a part of uh, he he's somehow a question mark to me when it comes to rotation. I'd imagine he gets tr like a shot, but mm -hmm. I don't know if he'll stick. I don't know if I'm crazy for that. I I don't think you are. Um, I'm I'm just I'm honestly given what the injury was, I'm shocked he's out there. Yeah, like it, it's it, it's it's pretty wild. Um, yeah. Look, we've seen. Well, we see these things in the playoffs all the time. Like things will go to the extreme. I mean, we, we this is the Warriors forced PJ Tucker to start at center, you know, at one point for the Houston Rockets. So this is this is this is just something that we shouldn't be shocked by if it does happen. I I, I really do believe that if the Warriors indeed go small or you know extra small, 
then the Kings will counter. And that lineup that you listed off for the Kings to close that game, I, yeah, I don't know about that. But I wouldn't be shocked if we see something similar to that. And, um, you know, Mike Brown will also have to you know, weigh, weigh the potential advantages there in, in a lineup like that as well, right? Like, it's okay, they're going extra small right now. Do you also, you know, instead of Terrence Davis out there, defensively, I wonder how it would work, but, you know, do you counter and just say, all right, let's see if we can just score more points than them and just put Trey Lyles out there, you know, who can space the floor but also has more size, um, obviously can can help you on the boards as well in that type of situation. It, the, the the chess match is going to be it's going to be awesome to watch i'm sure like as as neutrals i know a lot of neutrals are excited for this for this series um as fans of both teams it's obviously going to be very very stressful um it'll be interesting to watch but i, I wouldn't put it past either of these coaches to did you, did you say you're a fan of both teams or are you just talking for no i'm saying i'm saying fans yeah either i fans of either fan base local to the bay area or sacramento what's going on here that local guy, <laughs> that local to where? What are we talking about here? I'm, I'm local to Sacramento. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying both fan bases are going to be pretty. They're going to be pretty stressed out, right? I mean, don't you think the the Warriors fans are going to be pretty stressed out too? I think that they are overly confident, but I think they could be quickly, quickly become stressed out. Yeah, I, I the vibe I get from them is weird. I do know some very, very good, reasonable, rational Warriors fans. And they're they're not they're not quite as confident as the uh, as the very loud majority that we see online. But yeah, look, th- th- this is it's going to be fascinating stuff to watch. And uh, sometimes I I do lose track of who's out there and like what kind of lineups each team has out there. But man, that I mean, I'm t- I'm telling you, man, that lineup that you just listed off for the Kings to close that second game, it's, it's just, that's just insanity. And it's <laughs> I was probably just gonna laughing. Get- watching that like that's insane so that stuff pretty sure we can expect it but obviously both coaches are going to be prepared uh, for for really any of those situations and it's going to be really really cool to watch absolutely um what else stands out to you it's very open-ended but what else stands out to you going into this whether that's rotations from either side a guy that you are unsure what sort of role role he'll have. Is there anybody that stands out to you on either team that you feel like could just have themselves a game and totally win either side? One of these games, I think of, I mean, admittedly with my uh, Celtics fan upbringing, it's just definitely my Kelly Olynyk award winner right there. <laughs> game seven against Washington. I'll never forget it. That yeah. was just a legendary performance. There, There is no like cheesier looking guy to just end your season. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Dude wore, dude wore a backwards hat at his own wedding. <laughs> That's so, right. Like, That's you know, right. Dude just does not care. And those, mo- those, those types of guys are scary. So that, that guy guaranteed has a jumper. You wear a backwards yeah. hat oh, yeah. more often than not. Like your jump shot is just pure. Dude, the only time he doesn't wear a backwards hat is when he's playing in an NBA game. I, <laughs> I saw somebody posted a video of him playing open gym during the offseason. Dude had a backwards hat on. I'm like, dude, this is. There this was uh, when the, what was it? The Celtics were pitching to Kevin Durant, right? When he ended up going to the Warriors. Mm-hmm. It was like Tom Brady, Isaiah Thomas. I forget what the other group was uh, or who the other couple people were, but it also included Kelly Olenek in a backwards hat. And that didn't do it for Katie. Wow. I don't get it. 
Yeah. Katie, he's pretty sure he <laughs> rues that decision. What do you sure think of what do you think of Jordan Poole? What are your expectations for Jordan Poole going into this? Because he was extremely underwhelming mm-hmm. in their last postseason run. He does average upwards of I, I think it's 20 points. I don't have the number exactly in front of me. He kind of stands out to me like a Malik Monk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's either he's totally on one or he's just kind of pretty frustrating and maybe doing more harm than good when he's out there. But what are you expecting from him? I mean, he laid a he laid a goose egg from the field last Friday against the Kings second <laughs> third string guys. So which was I and I didn't even notice until I saw after the game. I'm like, oh man, he was 0 for 10. Um yeah, Jordan Poole, liable to go off offensively at any given time. Right, like very, very similar to Malik, but defensively, that's if you're the Kings, that's one of the guys that you're looking at, and you're saying, all right, you know, he might be able to put up 20, 25 at any given time. Can we score 30, 35 on him? You're going to be trying to, you're going to be trying to attack him while he's on the floor. You know, defensively, he's not all that great. So i i I would expect him to be tested on defense, whether that's at the point of attack or in help. Um, I, I. I fully expect the Kings to try to take advantage of the guys that the Warriors are trying to hide by running either a lot of second side stuff or just, you know, off of a DHO or off of a pick and roll. You know, if they are able to scheme it up to have him guarding the guy in the opposite corner or the opposite wing and make him tag down, yeah, the, the tag man, especially in a playoff series, a lot of times that guy gets put in hell because it might be the same play over and over and over again until you, and the Kings have, have proven that they are not shy to do that. You know, the, the Cleveland game at home comes to mind. They ran that same delay ball screen set and swung it to the second side and ran like a modified split, like eight times down the stretch. You know, Jordy Fernandez said that, let's just keep on doing that. Caps couldn't stop it. If the Kings find something like that, that they like, and if Jordan Poole is the guy that they're looking to exploit, I, I would expect stuff like that to happen, you know? So offensively, I think you're right. Hot or cold. It really just depends on the night. And if he's hot, I think it's one of those situations where you kind of just throw your hands up and just say, okay. And that happens to the Kings a lot. Happens to the Kings a lot with role players and, and, you know, non-star players. Like some guys would just walk into golden one center and look like they're all NBA, but. Julian Champagny, maybe. Yep. Yep. He, he comes to mind. Certainly Nas Reed. Jane McDaniels. Well, Nas Reed uh, is an All NBA player. How well, that's you? that's true. I shouldn't disrespect Nas Reed. I was you know, as a, as a Nas Reed stand, lifelong Nas Reed stand. I, I shouldn't <laughs> I shouldn't have said that, but yeah, I it'll be interesting to see what he brings to to the series. I if he's just completely, you know, in a, you know, if he's just inefficient, can't get anything going. What value does he bring? What value does he bring? You know, to the Warriors, you know, little to none, especially if he's going to be out there on defense. You know getting attacked and, and, and being targeted, right? So he's certainly a wild card in the same way that I think Malik is also a wild card as well, right? Like on the other side, it's the same thing. If Malik can keep on doing what he's been doing all season, you know, uh, being such a great playmaker and finding his offense with that second unit, then that means a lot of good things for the Kings. And if not, well, then they might have to look elsewhere. With the Warriors, I'm not quite sure who else could pick up that offensive slack coming off the bench, like with that bench unit, because Jordan Poole is the main guy coming off the bench that they look for instant offense from, right? So we will see. But yeah, I, I think for both teams, as far as bench guys to pay attention to, 
they're they're very very similar and I, I think it's you know monk and poor two guys to pay attention to when the kings get to that second unit nfl sunday ticket is now on youtube and youtube tv which means that it just got easier to be an nfl fan even if you live far away like maybe you like the bears but you're hibernating in panthers territory but with nfl sunday ticket your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away specifically the distance from you to your remote control nfl sunday ticket now on youtube and youtube tv Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 What? Now streaming. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Now streaming only on Hulu. The Warriors have four guys to do all their scoring. Steph, Clay, Poole, and then Wiggins. And we'll see what Wiggins ends up looking like. Mm -hmm. And the Kings have like six. You know what you're getting from De'Aaron and Domas? Yep. But then after that, like it's just all these shooters that are getting sprayed out to and are extremely efficient mm-hmm. and able to knock it down. You'll get, you know, there's going to be every other game where one of Keegan Murray, Kevin Herter, or Malik Monk, or Trey Lyles, if he is a significant part of the rotation, or, or just more so playing every game where one of those guys and Keegan Murray, I don't know if I mentioned him is going to knock down three triples in five minutes, you know, and, and just like feel like they are by themselves able to go on a run. And it's set up from De'Aaron and Domas. Um, you mentioned Malik who for sure is an X factor for this Sacramento roster, the same way that Jordan Poole is found this today uh, in wins in the regular season, Malik is averaging 14 points on 48% from the field and 41% from three in losses, 12.7 points on 40% from the field. Wow. And 27.3% from three. I did not expect that variance to be so big, to be honest, because when Malik is on, it almost feels like a luxury rather than a necessity to me. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense. Um, I, I think that like it, it's a team that Sacramento just wins on the offensive end, to be honest. Yep. They yep. forfeit a lot of defense for their offensive firepower. And I commend Mike Brown for being willing to do that. It almost somewhat reminds me of Dave Yeager, who came in as like this grit and grind style from Memphis. And then mm-hmm. it's just like the freaking fastest team you've ever seen in your life and was able to change his style to fit what that roster needed. And Mike Brown came in known as a defensive specialist realized this team can't really do that. It's not that he's given up on that end, but it's like, make sure you have a strength and don't try to clean up your weaknesses and lose your strength in the yep. process. You know what I mean? So yep. I, I think that, Credit to Mike Brown for being able to adapt to what the strength of this roster is and and be able to realize that eventually. And obviously he tried to make some sort of slight commitment to the defensive end with mm-hmm. that's what Casey Akpala starting at the beginning of the year is, you know, but uh, fully recognized it and switched out of that. 
do you think so starting five right for sacramento fox herder barnes keegan Sabonis, davion mitchell malik monk part of the rotation is trey laws for sure a part of the rotation yeah i i i, I think so he's he's a floor spacing big that is not he's not exclusively a guy who's just going to spot up and just jack up threes. He can put it on the floor. Oh, he'll we, pump fake the shit out of that ball. Yeah, he will. He will. You know, the thing about <laughs> Canadian basketball players is they're so fundamentally sound. And as Saskatoon, Saskatchewan's finest, you know, Trey Lyles, he's, he's got that ball fake down, man. Ball, the importance of ball fakes kids. That's the foundational stuff. Yeah. He's he, I, I would, I would put him in there as that, as that eighth guy right now, for sure. I think so too. I think so too. And then after that, everybody else is a question mark to me, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, maybe Messi gets run. Maybe Kessler gets run. Mm-hmm. I don't think TD gets run early on, but maybe later in the series, they try sure. it. Yeah. And then on the other end, Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond Looney is starting five in my mind. Although they have been starting Dante a lot when Wiggins isn't there. And part of me wonders, do they do that? and then Wiggins comes off the bench for the first couple mm-hmm. of games. But that would strictly be due to like returning to conditioning because yeah. if Wiggins is himself, you're starting him. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned that the Warriors only have four guys that kind of do all their scoring. I worry about Kevon Looney having an 18 and 20 game and just feasting from the dunker spot because yeah. Domas is involved in the pick and the roll and Kevin Herter or Malik Monk or asked to kind of sink in there and right. take care of the big. And we've seen them struggle to do that at times this year. We've also seen them respond to the challenge and have okay times of doing that. But Looney can kill you, man. Looney is Absolutely. one of the better offensive rebounders in the league. He Absolutely. is a very good rebounder in general on both ends of the floor. And I will admit, I tweeted this earlier. Usually I don't like to kind of, be like, I don't know why the hell people are saying this, but yeah, I, 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 I saw was it. on I one. Saw, I, yeah, I saw it. I saw it. People are acting like Domas is just going to cook. And I think Domas is still going to get his. Oh, Domas yeah. is going to do what he does. But Kevon Looney is not a pushover. No. And he's next to Draymond Green. If it's either one of yeah. those, like, oh, the Warriors are going to go small. Like, I don't really think of Draymond at the green. Draymond Green at the five is small. It is small. But that guy's been guarding centers for years. Yeah. At like, elite that's level. not... That, that that's not an issue for golden state you know right. like domas is going to get his but it's not a matchup like where it's okc where it's like who the hell is containing domas you know right. yeah i i don't i don't quite understand the kevon looney disrespect or you know people diminishing him as a player he is so good in space when he gets switched onto the perimeter it, he he holds his own. He, he's so good at keeping guys in front of him. And obviously that's not the topic of conversation right now, but that's, that's something that like, it's just so impressive to me. And, and yeah, he's not, you know, Domas strong dude and whatnot. Like I, I think he's got the advantage there. Obviously he's just so skilled. He's just going to find a way to score around the basket, but it's not like he's, he's just going to be, it's not like it's going to be like a layup line or like he's going up against the pad, right? Like he's Kevon Looney is a very, very capable defensive player and he will give domas fits and and the kings as we know dho heavy team uh, i think that's one of the things that bodes well for them in a playoff series i think that the 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 dho stuff makes your offense like a, a built for the playoffs type of offense but when they do go pick and roll 
Kevon is so good at being at the level. And even if you want to blitz and you're like, if they want to just randomly jump a ball screen and get the ball out of De'Aaron's hands, you know, that makes me a little bit nervous as well because you can do that with Kevon Looney. So I, yeah, I'm not quite understanding why people are, they, they look at the, they look at the matchups and they say, Oh, Domas is going to feast against Kevon Looney. He'll get his, he will. I, 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 Domas is probably good for averaging 20 and 10 during the series. I'm, I'm, I'm sure of it, but it's not going to be easy. And Kevon is, he's, he's, he's going to make him work for it for sure. I, I'm, I'm not quite understanding why Kings fans aren't giving him the credit that he deserves. Agreed. Looney is not locking up Domas, but he's not barbecue chicken. Mm-hmm. I think that's my whole point. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to go through some of the questions from the Twitter peeps, the bird app peeps. And if anybody in the live stream here wants to throw questions our way, that'll work. Eric Rucker. Shout out Eric Rucker from Fox 40. How much will fourth quarter Fox bleed into other quarters during the playoffs? And I'll sort of translate this to like, what does playoff Fox look like to you? Playoff Fox to me would just be fourth quarter deer and Fox, but just all the time. But what is that? So what does that mean? Because like to me, fourth quarter Fox is everybody like just, I'm going to get to a mid range jumper right now. Mm -hmm. Just watch out. And if they help too far off you, you better hit this open shot. Yes. So I I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. It would be that. And, and he will not be, I don't know. It's so it is kind of weird. He does get off to some slow starts sometimes. That always makes me a little bit uh confused when he's kind of just you know, it kind of seems like he's kind of just coasting, going through the motions to start games. So, you know, playoff De'Aaron Fox would be aggressive from the jump. He will hunt his shot. He has said it himself, he can get any shot he wants, anytime he wants. That's gotta be the mentality from the tip. And I think we're gonna see it. I I I also you know, you brought up the scenario in which the Kings played Domas and Fox for 40, 42 minutes a night. They've been playing, what, like around 30 to 34 minutes a night or something like that? Like their, their per-game minute averages have not been all that high because Mike staggers them, right? Staggers the lineup, and, and he, he does a good job of giving those guys uh, breaks during games, doesn't he? 34.6 for Domas and 33.4 for De'Aaron. Yeah, so, I mean, as guys that are not that, you know, they're not up there in age – Right, like, it's, what better time than now to just to just run them into the ground? Right, like, just keep them out there for forty minutes, and obviously the volume will go up. Um, their impact on the game is, you know, like that's gonna, that's it's going to be much larger because they will be out there for longer periods of time. Um, yeah, like to me, that's that that's what playoff Fox looks like. Is he's he's going to hunt his shot? He's going to attack mismatches. They're going to try to get him in in advantage positions for him to just break down the defense, collapse it in and see if he can make plays for others or just get a bucket himself. Um, Mike Brown for the season. We all heard it. Paint touches, paint touches, paint touches. Fox is essentially a guaranteed paint touch uh, as, as, as long as he gets a, a touch on every possession. And I expect that to be the case. I mean, they're going to, you know, DHO or zoom or pick and roll this team to death with the Aaron Fox, as long as he's got the ball in his hands. And, 
I I do expect some periods of time where look like Fox can do this where he he you know I mean he does it in the fourth quarter all the time he's been doing it all season but when he does take over uh it's, in the regular season it's 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 one thing in the playoffs if a guy starts getting hot they're not going to wait they're going to put two on the ball they're going to put two, two on the ball against you so that's that's another thing that would that I would expect from quote unquote playoff De'Aaron Fox is they're going to throw two bodies at him because he's so good sometimes you really hope that he's going to make the right reads out of that. And, you know, if you can get your offense playing four on three in a scramble situation, um, I like the Kings chances of getting a lot of good looks and a lot of points out of that. And I feel like he does make good reads off of being blitzed, but that's where like Malik Monk becomes so important. You know, mm-hmm. it's like Kevin Herter's not a guy that's putting the ball on the floor and then taking advantage of the four on three True. in the same way that Malik does, yeah. you know, where like I agree. Har- Harrison can, but it's more often than not trying to get his own rather than setting somebody else up. Like Keegan's not that guy right now. Doma is sure. If you can get him the ball for sure, take advantage of a four on three. But like, I think Malik is the one that stands out to me there. Even Davion um, is probably your second best option, but I think it's a notable drop off from Malik. Malik's passing is like surprised me as yeah, it's right up there with anything else this season. Yeah. It's been, it's been jarring watching yeah. him, watching him run pick and roll really just an empty side pick and roll with him and Domas. I really wonder what the, what the, what the points per possession is for that because they are, they're unbelievable when they, when they run that. So yeah, it's nice. It would be not, yeah. Like that's the, that's a nice thing, you know, about, about having Malik out there. You're saying, you were saying that it's a luxury when he does play very, very well. Well, it's a luxury having him out there for situations like that as well, because uh, if you need a secondary and sometimes even tertiary ball handler, you know, you can throw him out there in a lineup with Fox, Davion, Herder in theory, and those guys can those guys can make plays, you know, off the catch and and create for others. Absolutely, I am with you, uh, Kevin Fippen in the chat here. What's up, Kevin? Shout out. Says question for Brennan and that local guy. What would it take for Mike Brown to trot TD out there? Any an instance where they need more offense and they're grasping for straws or what? I'll start my two cents. I think I said this. Uh, briefly earlier, but like, I don't think that TD is part of the initial plan. I don't know that it's just my prediction. Mm-hmm. I think that he really struggles defensively. There was, there's somebody on Twitter and I, I hate that. I can't remember who it is. That's been saying recently. I feel like every time Michael Brown calls a quick timeout, it's because TD messed up <laughs> defensively. Yeah. And that is a little over the top, but it's, it happens a lot. If oh, TD's yeah. on the floor, there's a quick timeout. Like, check to see if he's getting talked to for Mike Brown because it it happens a decent bit. And if you overplay, if you're so focused on like locking and trailing against this golden state offense that you get backdoor cut twice it, like if if he has one mistake, it's fine. It's two within like three, four possessions where it's like, okay, you're done. And I think the way that TD gets out there is that somebody else has that mistake. You know, and then it's like, all right, we got to try something else. Or maybe they just can't buy a bucket for the life of them. It seemed like at the end of the regular season, TD wasn't playing because Kessler was. Uh, That's what it felt like to me when it came to like, who's going to be that 10th guy in the rotation or ninth guy, whatever you want to call it. And maybe Kessler can't hit shots and gets in his head because he gets totally left alone. And then maybe Mm -hmm. they still feel like they need to get that nine or 10 man rotation. So to me, the answer is like other guys aren't getting it done. And then you try TD. 
Is that where you're kind of at with that? Yep. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Some on a night where those guys ahead of them on the bench just don't have it, or you're just laboring to get points offensively. Yeah. It, it, it's, it ha- it'd have to be one of those nights where you can't throw a rock into the ocean that that's probably when TD is going to come out there and you hope that he's just, you know, he's, he's a microwave and he just heats up quick. And, and, you know, we've seen that from, from TD this season. He can, he can get going in a hurry and get going quickly. So, uh, yeah, that, that's probably the one scenario where, where Mike's thinking, yeah, we gotta, we gotta get TD out there. We, we have to find something, you know, like, and, and Mike has very specific ways in which he searches for answers offensively. I think that's one of them. I think that's one of them. It's just throwing TD out there and seeing what he can give you. You try it. Like there's nothing more clear than when Mike Brown is searching. <laughs> like it is yeah. honestly probably the most frustrating thing that Mike Brown does, but I understand when yeah. he's doing it, why he is, but it's the most clear, like, fuck, these guys aren't doing it. Like he, he actually like walks over to the bench and is like, Oh, damn, who do I try? Yeah, man, I've I've been on both sides of that as a player. <laughs> and it's like, as a player, it's kind of terrifying. And and you don't know what's going to happen next. As a coach, <clears throat> probably one of the most stressful things that you can do. And in the middle of a game, with when he's already exhausted all of his options, I just, when he goes to that set where it's almost like a four-corner setup, and they just hit Harrison Barnes at the nail, and he goes dude. ISO. It's like, all right, man, this this dude, this dude is putting Demontis Sabonis in the corner right now, trying to look for answers. When he does that, I'm like, I get it, but I'm like, oh my god, like it, th- there has to be another way. <laughs> I don't remember what game it was, but they did that like very much down the stretch, like two minutes left in the game. They ran it two or three times in a row. Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Yes, and I asked coach about it post game, and he very much was like, just saying, you know, it, it worked. It worked. I'm like, yeah. sure, but like, I've never seen you do that. I don't know what the hell that was. Yeah, he went. He but went to sure. three. He went to it three straight possessions. He got. Uh, it almost looked like it was schemed up. Uh, Harrison hit Domas in the corner. Herter was on the strong side wing with him, and then they ran a little DHO. And Kevin was just on a heater that fourth quarter, and he hit like a movement, like fading out of bounds three. And then the second possession, they got the they got an and one for HB, and then the third possession, he got. Trey Lyle's a pretty good look from three. It's just, dude, it's, you're running that and you're praying for something to happen. On the other end, Milwaukee's just like, all right, here you go, Giannis. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's it, the, the contrast there down the stretch when, when the defense is just, you know, just a sieve and just giving up whatever the other team wants. It's, it, it's frustrating. So yeah, when he, when he does that, it, it kind of, it, it's, it's, it's funny, but it, it's definitely frustrating. So yeah, it absolutely stood out to me for sure. Um, Billy. Wow. Billy, you got quite the at, I mean, I don't know if I'm gonna read this one. Um, talk about the Kings exploiting them being golden state fast break points will be needed since golden state are 28th in turnovers. Mm-hmm. They don't get in the paint. So we got to, so the Kings got to close the shooters off. Uh, Clay and Steph attempt 23 threes a game. Jesus Christ. Yeah. They're first in pace, eighth in rebounding, first in threes. That's hard to beat. Um, so, Billy, I appreciate you. You're kind of just throwing a bunch of stats at us, but I think they're actually important numbers that we have. 100%. I have glossed over. The pace 
and turnovers are the two like big standout ones to me. The Warriors run their ass off, dude. Like watching those games back, it, it's like it's after made buckets. It's Dave Yeager pace. Yeah. You know, it, it's crazy. And when you're a bad defense, um, the, the Kings have actually gotten decent at transition defense when it comes to the numbers. But I think a lot of that has to do with just being the most efficient offense. So you're not in transition defense as often as some of these other teams. I still do think they have their struggles in that aspect. Um, I, I guess the question I'm going to ask you about pace. And you can tell me if you think this is a dumb question to ask coach uh, tomorrow, because that was my plan. <laughs> Do you think that because the pace Golden State plays with that the guys that are in the quote unquote crash zone, which is just the corners are the ones that are always crashing for offensive boards. Can you still do that when Golden State has this ridiculous pace and all the shooting that's going on? Or do you need to limit that? Man, that that is that's a good question. I, I say ask it. Glad to hear. You know, I, I say ask that question. Yeah. Um, the Kings, obviously not very good defensive rebound percentage, not, not one of the better teams in the league at that. Um, it's probably due to the suspect defense. It's you, you throw into the mix, a team that just plays at a breakneck speed. Yeah, that's, that's, that's certainly going to play into their hands. So, uh, since the Kings also get on a run, it obviously is going to require a, a lot of them to, to get back on defense and and get back in transition so that they don't have to, you know, crash in from those, from those areas so that you do get, you know, your bigs in there involved and, and trying to grab as many boards as possible. Um, yeah, I, I it's, that's going to be a riddle that they're going to have to try to solve, you know, and, and that, that's when, when you're, when you play fast, it's entertaining. It's, it's fun. You get a lot of, you know, great looks. We, you know, this, this offense is, has been humming all season, I don't expect that to change, but I mean, on a made basket, you know, you better be hauling ass back. You, you cannot let that team get it in transition. And in the off chance, the off chance that they do miss a transition three staff or clay or whoever, uh, you better get that defensive rebound. So yeah, they, they, that needs to be, I would imagine that's going to be a point of emphasis. It's like, dude, everybody just get back. Like, you know, to hell with the offensive rebounds. We need to just, if, if, it, if we miss, don't worry about it. Just get back on a make, make sure you are still sprinting back hundred percent. I think that, I think it's going to be very, very important for the series. One thing coach Brown has talked about this year is the importance of spacing in the open court in, in fast break scenarios. And there's a play earlier this year. This is pretty early in the year. I want to say like 20 or so games in where it's a fast break and Malik is kind of running in front of him mm-hmm. and he pretty much pushes Malik into the corner and then Malik ends up getting it dished to him in a, in a wide open corner three, but he is like, so (laughs) my wording was not going to be the best there, but uh, (laughs) he is very much emphasizing that guys get to the corners as quick as possible. The importance of spacing in the Mm -hmm. open court and golden state is like the best team in the league at that with the space. I mean, Sacramento, I actually do think is right up there. Um, when Domas or De'Aaron are one of the two taking the ball down the floor, they have so many options to get to those corners. But if that's Steph Curry in the corner, if that's Clay Thompson in the corner, if that's Andrew Wiggins in the corner, like that is cash. Yeah, that is cash. And you can't help off of those guys. And it makes so much more room for the other guys that are attacking the basket. Um, the other stat is turnovers. He mentioned them being 28th in turnovers. 28th. 30th. 
uh, I'm going to check here. They're 29th in turnover percentage. They are 30th in turnovers. They average the most turnovers. They average 0.1 more turnover than the Houston Rockets, who are like wow. an embarrassment of a basketball team. Yeah. And I like some of the guys on that team. I'm a big sure, Kari Eason guy. I like uh, Jalen Green. I like Alperen Shengun. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have a point guard. They they have nobody that can pass. They the don't. Ball. I the, mean, the, okay, okay. The, they do have the, Alperen Shengun, I guess. But. Right, that's true. The culture there is just so cooked, though. I've, 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 oh, it's I've, 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 I've felt for Steven Silas, man. That was- I, I'm like a little surprised that Jordy Fernandez wasn't part of that list, by the way, because I think Jordy Fernandez is going to eventually be yeah. an NBA head coach, but it seems like they're going for a little bit more like experienced veteran leadership because like our locker room was just totally screwed. Oh, yeah. But anyways, um, turnovers. I think Golden State's 16.3 turnovers per game, which leads the league. And that's like kind of been their kryptonite their entire run mm. is that they turn it over like crazy. And when you're the best offense in the league, you should be able to make them pay for that or more. So you need to make sure that you make them pay for that. You can't get yep. the turnovers and then not capitalize. But this is where De'Aaron stands out a lot, a lot to me on the defensive end, because there's another question in here about like, Oh, who guards um, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know where it's at right now. might've been in the chat that's scrolling past year. Um, who guards Steph? And I don't think it's ever just like one person with the amount of like off ball screens that go on. You're like forced to switch against Golden State. Like De'Aaron will be the one initially assigned to him. I think that Davion will get his chances to try to do what he can there. But like you're forced to switch with all the softball movement because Steph is setting screens and and he's like really setting screens. That's one of the most underrated aspects. They do this. uh, You you probably know the terminology better than I, but this little like twirl where it looks like. Steph's about to come off a, mm-hmm. a Chicago Zoom action or whatever, and then instead yep. he twirls yep. and then sets it and then comes off. And it's like yep. you never know what the hell is happening there. And exactly. that type of shit you have to switch. Yeah. I but, I, 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 mar- I, I marvel at his screen setting. That's that is it's just it's commitment. Just, it's, it's actually not even that hard. It's just it's being not. committed to doing yeah. it. And nobody else is. Yeah. You know, like that's one of the greatest things that I think that like Steve Kerr was able to implement with him. 100 percent Um rather than Mark, he who shall not be named, just having him run a stupid amount of pick and rolls. But I think that this is where De'Aaron stands out to me is that like these turnovers are because they're trying the craziest passes you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And sometimes they work, but like these turnovers aren't happening happening because of a sloppy handle and someone's picking like it's not just cookies. It's it's jumping passing lanes or just like keeping your head on a swivel and not letting something fly by your head because you weren't paying attention. And De'Aaron Fox is a guy that should be able to jump passing lanes with his speed if he's paying attention. But I don't know what that fine line is. And it's a lot easier for me to say that sitting here in this chair rather than trying to do that. Because if you miss, you are screwed. Yes. You are giving up a three to probably one of the better three point shooters in the league. So I say that I think that De'Aaron should be able to jump passing lanes and get steals, but I don't know what that exact balance should be in attempting to do that, but also not wanting to give up looks by missing that. Yeah, that is an incredibly dangerous game to play. Like you are, you are certainly towing the line, the fine line between, between, you know, it's high risk, high reward, right? If you're able to get that and with his, and with his speed, I mean, there's just, there's no way anybody stays in front of him out in the open court, but man, you gamble and then it's a scramble situation 
and it's five on four or four on three or whatever, or even four on four, right? Like with the floor being so spaced with the way that their offense is set up, I mean, you were going to pay the price. So, um, you know, maybe this is just a, this is just a, a, from the coaching perspective for me, it's like, yeah, just don't gamble. <laughs> but again, easier said than done. Like you said, I mean, we're, we're just sitting here talking about it when you're actually out on the court. And when you're just an incredible athlete, you know, one of the, one of the, you know, most freakishly athletic and talented players in the world, you know, if you're in the NBA, that's just what you are. You think you can do anything. So if, if a pass gets floated or they try to go for a home run ball or they try like a backdoor pass or something like that, it's not there. I, I mean, it's hard for these guys not to gamble on those, but against a team like the Warriors that will burn you big time. It's gotta be like a pass coming from Steph because if Steph isn't one of the guys, if Steph is possibly one of the guys that either is catching the pass or catching the pass after the fact, like the hockey assist sort of thing, then like you're probably screwed. Mm. If it's coming from Steph, then maybe you could feel like you have a little bit more leeway or like possible time to recover, even though there is still Clay Thompson and right. Andrew Wiggins on this mm-hmm. team. Um, but I don't know that that'll be interesting to see how they kind of try to balance that. Um, yeah. And, and just real quick, I, yeah. It's so funny because I, I got a chance to sit real close for that for that Warriors game last. Yeah, week. that was ridiculous, by the way. Yeah, you know, just that guy, courtside yeah. local guy. You know, yeah. what are you? Uh, it's, there's really not much else to say. Uh, but <laughs> it, it's it is pretty cool being that close because you can, even though I was sitting across from where the coaches were, you can still hear a lot of what they're saying and what they're doing. There was a there was a possession where I think the Kings missed a shot and the Warriors did have numbers in transition. Uh, oh no, no, they didn't have numbers in transition because because the Kings actually shockingly got back on defense, and Steve Kerr is screaming like at his guys. He's 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 putting up the sign for a floppy play. He wants him to he wants him to run a floppy set. He's he is screaming at the top of his lungs, floppy, you know. And I think it was Jordan Poole who had the ball. He just tries to throw a home run ball, like just Jordan over the Poole? top, over blowing the, up the play. Yeah, shocking, right? But he tries to throw a home run ball like over three dudes and tries to get it to Looney. And it was such a bad pass that I think it ricocheted off the backboard or something like that, or like it got <laughs> deflected off the backboard. And then I think the play ended up like it's, somebody grabbed it around the rim and, and the Kings fouled whoever it was that got the that got the ricochet. And that man, Steve Kerr, like multiple times that game was just like, what is going on? Like, why do you guys continually do this shit? And I think that's a big reason why the Kings just hung around a lot longer than they should have that night because the Warriors were just just running junk out there. But I, I obviously would expect that to be scaled back a ton during the playoffs. They're not going to mess around like that when they, when, when they're to them, at least real stakes here um, in play. Jordan Poole doesn't scale anything back. Just so you know, his minutes may get scaled back. It's true, but he ain't scaling shit back. He is going to do what he does. (laughs) Like, I think the Kings need to make sure that it's only ugly people courtside, you know, there it's can't true. be any no bad, baddies. No baddies. Where's it? No, no baddies. baddies. No baddies. Or it will no be an issue. Courtside. No. Yeah. That's no why baddies. I'm campaigning. To, like, hey, put me courtside. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Vivek, please, if you're listening, please. <laughs> Madi, Madi. You know what's really funny? Madi has this seat in the stadium, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I won't give a word away where he sits. He's a it's a where's Waldo. You know, you can you can find him. He's in practically the same seat every game. Okay. But there's always like these like circle around him of empty seats. Huh. And 
there's plenty of local guy space is all I'm saying here. You know? You know, if Monty is a dedicated listener to the King's Pulse podcast, <laughs> the same way that he is with Deuce and Mo, I, I, I'm, I'm campaigning for the uh, local guy Monty meetup. Yeah, we're like best buds on Twitter at this point. I mean, the guy's responded to like, you know, three of my tweets. He talks about my tweets for some reason at this point. Like, we need he to make only it only responds to your tweets and gifts to the King's Herald after wins. That's yeah. literally his only tweets. Yeah, and, and, and I think and, one time he responded to a guy that asked if he responds. <laughs> I think one time. So and that's random. the only other one, which yeah. is kind of what you did. Yeah, nah, not true. Not true, actually. Yeah. No, yeah. that was that was no, that was crappy. I mean, that's not true. That's not well, true. regardless, I, I the fact that he even like sees the tweets is hilarious. At this point, though, I would just like to shake that man's hand. Uh, congratulate him on his Princeton Tigers making it to the Sweet 16. I was actually, wa- I actually saw the two games here in Sacramento. Uh, shame that he was at, he was out of town and couldn't catch him. Um, and just be like, hey Monty, like, you know, can I just I just want to shake your hand, and tell you that you're doing a great job, and then take a picture and post it for clout. <laughs> right. Kevin <laughs> Kevin Fippen says that he also responded to him. And my apologies, Kevin. Oh yeah, sorry, Kevin. Yeah, but I've missed you know that what? as well. That. They're they're the real best buds. I think it's the 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 bald brotherhood there that mm. really like bonds them. You know, mm. like I, I yeah, think that's that's got to be it. The BBs. Yep. The BBs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only those two letters though. <laughs> yep. Just all right, two. Cooper. Cooper uh, on Twitter here. Uh, most important end of bench player for the Kings. Uh, we'll just go with the four players that he mentioned because end of bench seems kind of open season. He mentioned TD, Kessler, Len, and Metu. Um, I'll say I don't think Alex Len is playing a single minute against Golden State Warriors. <laughs> I, Are you I, sure? You sure? I had a lot of other people um, convinced that Len was only playing to just reward him for being a professional, for staying ready. Um, and... Once that got implemented in my mind, the way that people were kind of answering questions, whether that be Len or coach, maybe I was just looking for it at that point, but I've come around to fully believing that. And as you mentioned, like it's a horrible matchup for him. Like you're not blitzing with Len. I I, having him at the level, he's going to absolutely get blown by. Mm -hmm. Like it's just not a Len matchup. No, um, I think most important end of bench player is Kessler. Be- but between TD, Kessler, Lennon, Metu. I'm going to pick Kessler because I think he's the one that can have the biggest impact. TD could catch fire, but Kessler's defense, mm-hmm. like he can give you some minutes on Steph. 100%. And if he can hit shots enough, because again, I think he's going to get ignored, but he'll pull it. Oh, yeah. If he hits one of three, I'm good. I'm with you there. As long as it's not every single possession that we're talking about Kessler pulling it up a three. But I'm going to go with Kessler there between those four. But but who stands out to you is most important. And again, I think all of these guys could kind of be a no-show and the Kings could still be okay. Uh-huh. But who could have the most impact between TD, Kessler, Lennon, Metu in your mind? Yeah, we talked about TD and Mezzi at length. I, I'm I'm with you though. Um, I hate that I'm just agreeing with everything that you're, you know, because like for the sake of conversation, we can't even can't even have that. But I'll let you <laughs> pick first next time. No, it's no, it's fine because you would just agree with me at, at this point, right? That's kind of seems like it, that's the pattern now. 
Um, Meh. No, I, I, I do think it's Kessler because, I mean, you, you can you could kind of see it like starting Casey Paula to start the season. You were thinking to yourself, Mike is trying to see what a guy of this archetype can give this team. A defensive player of the year archetype. Yes, yes exactly. It's just. You know, it's like it's like the it's like the meme of the guy, you know, sweating because he's got to press two buttons. You know, he's got he's got a choice between yes. two buttons, and it's like, okay, do you want like all NBA defense, or and do you want like like negative fifty points on offense? Because that's what Casey Okpala was. <laughs> Kessler Edwards is not that. Kessler Edwards gives you a lot on defense, and he, and he gives you enough on offense to where he he can't just be just left alone out there at all times. Like he will make you pay, uh, or at least you would hope so. So I th- I think Kessler is is the most important guy of that group before. I think you you can like if if you're able to um if you're able to not able to get him switched onto Steph, but if he does get switched onto Steph, um you know it, that's a matchup right there that doesn't necessarily like scare me or terrify me, um because he has the requisite length and 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 athleticism and just just the lateral quickness to stay in front of a guy like him and at least give him some fits. Agreed, I guess. Gross, but I guess. <laughs> we have uh, Die Hard Fred asking me, uh, just wondering where you grew up. And I want to give a shout out to Fred here because Fred is one of my favorite people on Twitter. Because anytime I post something that is not just like a positive king stat, he is so quick to call me Judas in all caps, and be on my ass about it. And it is one of the funniest things to me. And I promise you, I'm very convinced that he's asking me this question because he thinks I've been posting too positive of warrior things. Mm -hmm. And I did grow up from the Bay Area, so he's about to feel justified by asking this question. Grew up in San Jose. The team that made me fall in love with basketball is the We Believe Warriors. (laughs) I promise you, it's good for me covering this team if the warrior if the kings oh shit not a Freudian Freud 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 Freudian thank you I know how to say it I just <laughs> apparently don't it's late uh, it's good for me if the kings win I will say mm. but that's the team that made me fall in love with basketball <laughs> so shout out Fred because him calling me Judas is one of my favorite things I think he like told me at one point that he was gonna like find a way to meet up with me and like have all the receipts and like proof on why i'm just super judas i actually will say i like looked up where is judas from on twitter or on uh google and the debated taking a screenshot of that it's like some jerusalem place i think or something i'm totally Uh probably butchering that uh, and then replying to his tweet because I thought it'd be hilarious, but I just decided to save it for the episode. So <laughs> shout out to Fred. Um, one of my favorite people to interact with on Twitter, oh, I will goodness. say. Um, Mezzy fan, King's Insight asks, Yo, Insight. What's up? What's up, Insight? Um, a lot of questions about X's and O's and rotations, but I'm curious on who you think wins the series and in how many games. I'm about to go full Judas here. To be honest. There's no matchup where the Kings would have been favored, if I'm going to be honest, in my mind. Agreed. Like, people point at the Lakers. Um, I don't know if it's PTSD from being a guy that 
uh, was an avid Celtics fan growing up, but I learned when LeBron was in Miami and he beat the Celtics in like oh, 11, in 11, 2011, something like that. I was just like, okay, well, this, like, I'm never betting against this guy again in my life. And he's not giving me a reason to take that back. Mm-hmm. I will never bet against LeBron James. They had a very questionable game tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. It was not a pretty game. No. Um, But I will say, while a lot of people were like talking about how ugly the end of that game was, tell me why I'm insane for this, because I'm pretty sure I'm insane for this. But I couldn't help just think like, well, the last, uh, last what four minutes of game seven in that three, one comeback, nobody could score for the life of them. Like, is it just part of it being a stressful game that has a lot of pressure? Like, I I don't know that I looked at that. I was like, both these teams suck. Mm -hmm. It was gross. It was disgusting. It was, it was horrible. Like I wanted to yak, but like it wasn't, I'm not looking at that as like, Oh, well that means the Kings would have just smacked either one of these teams. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, but back to Kings insides uh, question. Who do you think wins the series and in how many games? I'll let you start. Kings in six. Are you just being a local guy? Or? Nah. No. Actually? In six? Yeah. In Clay yeah. Thompson territory? Yeah. I think I think the Kings will uh I think the Kings will steal and the Kings will steal a couple of games at home. Because obviously they there's just a better road team. And Look, it's going to I think I think the most fascinating thing about this matchup is when they go to Chase Center because the Warriors are awesome at home and the Kings are like the greatest team of all time on the road. So that we might be in for two classics or three, three classics uh, if it goes six uh, at Chase Center. So, yeah, I, 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 much is made of, of, of the Kings inexperience, much is made of, you know, the complete opposite with the Warriors having the championship pedigree. This core has four rings together. So on and so forth. Everybody's worried about how are the Kings going to stop this guy and that guy. Well, you know, you you did mention four guys do all the scoring for the Warriors. What happens if two of those guys don't show up? One of them right now we don't even know is in basketball shape, right? Uh, and he also that that same guy also has major major impact on defense as well, right? The Warriors still have to stop the best offense of all time based on offensive rating. So. Are are they going to be able to do that? I I don't know, and I and I and I'm willing to bet on the Kings' offense. You know, the thing that a lot of people point out about the Kings' offense, and they've been doing this all year long, is, dude, they they don't ever get away. They don't. They usually don't deviate from from what they run. Like they really just run the hell out of their offense. Doesn't matter what it is. I, I I've seen so many X's and O's accounts marvel at the fact that this team's process late in games does not change. Outside of outside of the moments where you're just like, all right, De'Aaron Fox, here's the ball. Like, go make a play. They're always going to be running their stuff. They're going to run that wide set. They're going to run their little elbow flash. They're going to put the ball in Sabonis' hands so that he can make a play for somebody else. That that doesn't go away. And I get that that in the playoffs, it'll be different over a seven-game series. Draymond is still very, very good on defense. He, by himself, can neutralize a lot. He's not the Draymond that was like a spry you know, 26, 27 year old. The last time this team was in the midst of just making the when finals. he got drafted. Oh, come on. He wasn't that old. <laughs> come on. Uh, but 
it's different now for this team. It really is. And last year's team, if, if this was last year's Warriors roster, yeah, I'm probably t- I'm taking I'm taking the Warriors. I mean, that team was just had so much depth. You know, Otto Porter was so crucial to, to that team's success. Gary, you know, a healthy Gary Payton too made so much of a difference. This is a different roster now, a different team. These guys are a little bit older. And they're going to have to, you know, we I, we talked earlier about how the Kings are going to be in hell guarding the Warriors offense. Well, it's going to be the same for the Warriors defense. They're going to be in hell guarding this Kings offense. It's not going to be easy. Uh, I, I really do think that these guys will show up. They The moment won't be too big for them. And, and I do think that they can get it in, in six games. Well, that's going to do it. Um, <laughs> for, uh... I... Uh, I'm going to be popular for sure one day in my life. But uh, I, if I have to guess, would guess Warriors in six. Okay. I think that these first two games, we will learn a lot though. Like I I actually don't feel like I can make a confident projection until I see what Andrew Wiggins looks like. Yeah. Like he, he was the second best player. I think pretty easily on that team last year. And I think clay has been way better than he has last year. Offensively, defensively mm-hmm. still meh, but like Wiggins was phenomenal last year. He was so good. And if that, that's part of the reason that I, you know, kind of panicked, but felt okay with saying that like the war, like give me the warriors. The idea of the warriors was growing on me. But Wiggins is back now. I wasn't sure if that was going to happen, to be honest. Maybe I should have known that he would come back for playoffs, but I really was unsure. This entire scenario was pretty unprecedented. I had no clue what was going on. And it's just going to depend on how he looks, really. And the conditioning, like you mentioned it earlier, De'Aaron's like the extreme test of your conditioning. Oh, yeah. Like that guy will blow by you in an instant if you're not totally locked in i think if the kings win their first two games that they'll win this series gonna be a tall task you know they say it is a playoff series doesn't start until the road team wins the game well the kings the kings need to they need to somehow beat the odds and win those first two games at home man because for some reason they just do not play well at home it's still such a mystifying thing to me but uh, yeah, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to get that done. I don't know if I'm being lazy, but like I can't describe or explain why. And I heard you feel the same way on Deuce and Mo when you went on recently. Mm-hmm. That like can't describe why the Kings are so much better on the road than at home. Guy, okay, I can attempt to have theories, but I don't actually know. Just mm-hmm. trying to guess. Same way with the Warriors. I have no clue why they have this just the most extreme variance you've ever seen 33 and eight at home and 11 30 on the road, 30, 11 and 30 on the road at home. Like what? 11 and 30 on the road. Yeah. I don't. It's so ridiculous. Makes no um, sense. And I'm just not even really thinking about it. Uh, one other thing I'll ask you goes into game seven. What's your confidence level from Sacramento's perspective? Oh my goodness. And I'll say this, by the way, I found this number earlier. Sacramento's entire roster combined. 4,283 playoff minutes. Mm-hmm. And by the way, 22% of those are Matthew Delavadova. Let's go. Who is not going to play. Let's playoffs. go. Yeah, but that's just because he has a broken finger. Otherwise, he would. Play. Right. Obviously, the Steph Curry stopper. The picture exactly. of him crossing Jordan is my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. Um, very real picture, by the way. Uh, uh, yeah, of course. 
48% of those 4,283 combined playoff minutes for Sacramento's entire roster are from Harrison Barnes. Mm -hmm. The Warriors have four players that as individuals have more playoff minutes than Sacramento's entire roster combined. One of them is Andre Iguodala, who I don't expect to play. We also don't know his current health. He would even be available. I don't think it matters at this point. He's not full Udonis Haslam, but he's on his way at this point. Um, but the playoff experience is a very real thing. And I think like game seven is where maybe that makes a big difference, but what, what would be your confidence level going into game seven? Be at golden one center. How would you feel? It wouldn't be all that high. Yeah. Uh, Like on a scale of one to 10, probably like a three. Yeah. And I do hate admitting that, but I'm also scarred from game seven to the 2002 Western conference finals. And that was a team with experience. That was a very experienced team full of, you know, just phenomenal players for the Kings who just the moment was just too big for those guys, even those guys. And I'll never forget it. And it pains me. And thinking about the experience that that team had. Yeah. And I know it's a completely different era and that's two completely different things essentially, but you look at you look up and down the roster and you just you just laid it all out. This team just lacks experience. In that situation, that might be the only time in the series where I'm like, oh, maybe this moment is just too big for them. This is just too much for them to handle. And and they might fold. And maybe I'm not giving enough maybe I'm not giving enough credit to them. But I, I just I, I just can't see them walking out with a with a with a game seven victory. Doesn't matter how bad the Warriors have been on the road, doesn't matter how you know bad the Kings are at home. You throw all that out the window. I, I really do think that the Warriors, if it gets to a game seven, I think they're walking away with it. Kevin Fippen says the league would, uh, I, I'm going to just <laughs> estimate a hundred thousand percent of that number. Send Tony <laughs> brothers to officiate that one. Yeah, tons, tons of zeros. Yeah. He, Tony brothers is Tony brothers is going to make it Tony brothers time for the entire 48 <laughs> minutes of that game. And it's going to be a spectacle. Oh yeah. Demontis bonus is playing 30 minutes in that one at most. Yep. Yeah. At at most. Most. <laughs> That's yeah. You're on the optimistic side there. <laughs> um, I asked you before how long you had, and I totally lost track of time and went full fucking King speed on this episode. We, right. we just went an hour 30 somehow. Um, I, I just mind. can't believe there are people still hanging out with us in the chat, dude. There are. I appreciate people in here. And I mean to click on things more often, but if I haven't given like the guest or the local guy a heads up, I worry that it's going to like distract people because more often than not, I'll like click on it while the other person is talking and it makes it look like I'm not listening, but I swear I am. Um, so I have been reading this, but I have not been clicking on it. So my apologies to people in here. The last two things I'm going to ask you before we get out of here, as I just talked about how we've been on here forever and I feel bad. I'm like, all yeah. right, well, anyway, no, don't feel so bad. I'm keep I, have, I have absolutely nothing else going on. This I know is gonna, this is going to be the highlight of, well, the playoff games on Saturday. I'm going to be there. Uh, this is probably, Damn. The second, well, I'm going to a concert tomorrow. So this is like the third best God. this week. So God, just you know. flexing that bank account. Yep. Or what used to be of the bank account. Yeah, I got it. It's actually really cool. I got a I got a check for a commercial that I did a, uh, like two years ago because they renewed the usage on it. So they're going to run it again. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Now I can like, you know, I can pay off some maybe like put it in my savings, blah, blah, blah. Then I saw how expensive the playoff tickets were. And I'm like, all right, well, there goes that check. Like that's, that's the playoff money right there. <laughs> you are. Uh, so I've seen a couple of your commercials. 
you're a good actor for sure but Thank because you. i feel like i like know you a bit i can't <laughs> help but laugh my fucking ass off when i watch these commercials because you're so serious i think in one of them you have like a girlfriend or a wife or whatever i have a wife I have a wa- never, that was, yes that was, i was like i've never seen this girl in my life that's the first that's the first <laughs> dad role i ever booked i was shocked i even got it i, I that was that audition so they sent it to me to they're like dad you know, so-and-so has a son. I'm like, I'm not getting this. And in the audition, they got back to me within a day. They're like, oh, yeah, we, you're booked. You know, no call back. You got it. I'm like, what? Are you are you shitting me right now? And that, that shoot was so fun, and I had an awesome time. But I was like, I cannot believe I just played a dad. Um, and it was actually that commercial that I just got that just got re-upped. So, you know, it's the commercial that keeps on giving. Everybody keeps on laughing at it, and I keep on getting paid for it. So. <laughs> it's so perfect. I mean. That's all you need. Hector said, where can we see these commercials? You've posted these, right? That's why I've seen it, I feel like. Hector, I would not worry about it. Um, no, no. If, if, if you're that curious. shit. If you're that curious, just go into YouTube and search Belong Home, all one word. Uh, it'll, it'll probably pop up if you do that. Uh, that's that's where they are. They're on They're on. They're posted on YouTube and then on my Instagram as well. Uh, if you want to hmm. go to my Instagram, but I mean, I, it's it, it's fine. It's it's really not that big of a deal if you don't want to watch the commercial. I have a five year old son. No, no, commercial. this is this is absolute <laughs> bullshit. Just so Hector knows, I'm fact checking this motherfucker right now, and I just <laughs> I just looked up "belong home" on YouTube, and I have no Nothing? clue where this is. Really, one um, word. Well, you said it's all one word, right? Yeah, yeah, it should be. I I. I Maybe maybe they posted more it's, videos. It's sense. asking for the social security number of the main actor for some reason. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I got you. Um, all right, yeah, I'll just I'll just type it. Just in the post chat. it to Twitter after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just tweet yeah. it out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, you can. I, yeah, <laughs> Kevin it, said I wouldn't you, worry about it. Just yeah. watch the next watch Super next Bowl. Good <laughs> <laughs> Kevin. Um, all right, last question that we got from the audience. I saved this for last. Um, favorite sandwich. And why is it I, – I, man, I was supposed to, like, use this as a bit to talk about some Arby sandwich. I can't name one Arby sandwich. Favorite sandwich? Well, for me, it used to be the Italian BMT from Subway. Uh, they Stop did Stop it. Pick an did, Arby sandwich. They, what is they wrong did, well, with you? Thing, they did away with the daily specials. I used to go to I used to go to go Subway to get the Italian BMT every Thursday. They, they did away with those, so Subway can heck off. Um like Thursday. I don't know. I don't know why that was Italian BMT day, but that was just the day they chose. Um, so my favorite sandwich, I mean, it's gotta be at Arby's. We have a new garlic ribeye sandwich. We oui. it's it's yes, I work there. It is mm-hmm. probably the best sandwich that we have ever had. So I recommend you guys go in and you try that garlic ribeye at Arby's. <sighs> Thoughts? Thoughts on this, Brendan? You don't fuck me, Arby's, bro. Nobody eats Arby's. I don't know. Like, I work there. When, I get a comp, when I, I get a Monty McNair asked me, "Does this guy actually work at Arby's?" and it was the funniest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. <laughs> like, no, you don't work. Okay, I don't know where you work. Arby's, I I don't I don't understand why why is that so hard to believe? You know, a few months ago, you know, a few months ago, I I where is there an Arby's? I wasn't supposed to leak this information, but a few months ago, I said, "Hey guys, there's a new Reese's Pieces cookie coming to Arby's." Everybody said, "Well, 
you don't work at Arby's Local Guy. It's just a bit. What happens a month later? They drop a Reese's Pieces cookie. How else would I know that if I didn't work at Arby's? <laughs> because you give them – you're the only person in the world that promos them for no freaking reason. Yeah, I kind of feel like I – they need to give me a raise or something like that. I kind of do a lot of the groundwork you, for them. You really? I, I, you do all the uh, groundwork, actually. You have yeah. the meat, man. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Not my best moment. Yeah. Can we go chat? Clip that? No, 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 no. Yeah, I would say the garlic ribeye from Arby's, my favorite sandwich. Real quick, though, I had a question for you from my from my good friend, Chase. I, I did tell you yeah. that somebody sent me. Chase uh, Ferret or something like that? Chase Chase Everett. Everett, I guess it's close. Chase, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's the it's. I the, bet Chase one ten. Yeah, yeah. Great guy comes from a great family. Uh, big shout out to Jack, his father, and big big shout out to his dog Ricky. <laughs> you made great it people. So fucking weird. So, I don't. It's not, it's not weird. So he's got a question for you. Uh, he would like to know if you have finally gone to the Adalbertos on Fair Oaks, and if so, what did you get? And. Also, our second favorite place. This is a bond that he and I share. Uh, we love Rubio's, the uh, the the seafood restaurant. I actually just had Rubio's today. It's a seafood restaurant? Uh, yeah. Tr- yeah. Coastal, co- coastal cuisine, I guess is the way that I would phrase it. Uh, he wants to know if you're a Rubio's fan as well and, and what's your order there. So, Alberto's on Fair Oaks. You been there yet? What'd you get? Rubio's, if you go there, what do you get? I have not been to... Add in Alberto's, which, by the way, when I sent you the link to this stream, I was like reading back through our messages because we've not messaged much on Twitter before. And I think it like, I don't know, it started with some BS about like, oh, like, I really appreciate you pushing the Keon Ellis propaganda or whatever. And then it got pretty quick to like, by the way, I want to explain the Add in Alberto's thing. (laughs) And you were explaining to me because it's the funniest thing to me that there's a good handful of these restaurants and every single one is spelled differently. And we have no explanation, but I think it's just, it's just one of my favorite little random things. Um, I don't know that I've been to the one on fair Oaks. I got scared out of those restaurants uh, by a certain someone that, right. Well, we had that. Yeah. We had that conversation about, okay. Yeah. Whoever it was, they kind of, scared you off from that yeah but. a little bit made me uh very much second guess that but when i did go down now by toes my order was i'm as i desperately look up their menu because i can't remember specifically what it is it's definitely a breakfast burrito uh was it the number 24 yes it's i literally just found it it's yeah. the number 24 for sure bacon potatoes that shit was so good so yeah. good it's it's good man it's crack it really is the reason why, okay, and and for those wondering why I'm I'm so I'm so adamant that the Adalberto's on Fair Oaks is the best one. The reason why that Adalberto's is the best one, the one on Fair Oaks, is because for their carne asada fries, which I don't even get that often, but when I was getting them often, they're the only Adalberto's or Aldanberto's or whatever, whatever they're called. You know, like they all have different names, like you said. They're the only one that uses skinny fries. For their carne asada fries. The rest of them use the thicker cut ones, and it's just too starchy for my liking. So it's all about the skinny fries at the Adalberto's on Fair Oaks. That's what sets it apart from all the other Adalberto's. I mean, it clears easy. So there, there's my hmm. rationale. Hmm. So, so I you're not I, you're not a Kenny Lofton guy. 
I mean, I was pre-draft, but mm. okay, yeah. <laughs> Just making sure we're all on the same page. <laughs> so, why was Rubio the second part of this question? By the way, uh, it's, it's love Rubio's man. Shout out to Rubio's um, Coastal Grill. Big shout out to Rubio's. You know what? I'm gonna try to get a sponsorship with them next. But let's Watch go out. to a Rubio's, man. Yeah, let's do it. Let's Can't think of one that's Rubio's. very close to downtown, though. There's there there are none in the in the downtown area. We got to go to like Natomas. So. That's fine. Okay, sure. I'm in Natomas. We're all good. Oh, we whoa, dude, you're doxing yourself. Yeah, assassination coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin said, by the way, just say the California burrito. What number do we say? Twenty four. Yeah, twenty four. Yeah, the, the California. It's the a California bacon burrito. and uh, yeah, bacon and potato burrito or something. Yeah, bacon. It's not a bacon. California burrito. No, yeah, the, the California burrito has carne asada in it. That that one sometimes that has sounds a pretty good though. Yeah, it, it's 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 good. The California burrito is pretty good. So the last thing, and actually the last thing this time, because okay. I've said that like eight times at least, is I'm going to need you to explain where the name that local guy came from. And I didn't tell you this was happening, so you don't okay. have time to come yeah. up with some bullshit. Look, man, hey, I could I could improv anything, anytime, anywhere. Sure. Uh, but no, I'll be truthful about it. So uh, I've had... I mean, I've been on Twitter a while. This account was one that I used very, very sparingly. Like, I, I, I got to a certain point where I was like, no, this is like counterproductive and I need to focus on other things. So I, I've had this account for a few years, but I wasn't really using it. I was just, you know, I had people's notifications on, that kind of thing for sports news mainly. Um, and I decided that I didn't want to put my name on the account, not because I was saying crazy stuff, but just because I don't know, I, there there was like since I was just going to be lurking anyways, I wasn't really going to be. I don't think I didn't think my name mattered, so I was just like whatever. I'll just I'll just use some random display name. I went with local guy. It was just local guy for the longest time. Don't even remember what. The, oh, the, my old at actually before I rebranded to local to that local guy was a uh, dang I want her. <laughs> and yeah, see, like that one doesn't quite roll off the tongue. But I that was just a random one I thought of, and I was like, "Oh, it's available. I'll just use it." And then and then eventually I switched to local guy. And I remember when I made the switch, which was like at the beginning of the previous King season, a lot of people were like, "Why'd you switch? We liked that at." Well, now I'm just now I'm local guy. So like it's it's crazy how how quickly the rebrand stuck. So that that's kind of the origin story there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Someone in the chat, multiple people. Well, Kevin asked, and then Chase also asked, and I'm sure that I'd imagine Chase already knows the origin story, but he's just <sighs> really Chase. trying to get you to do it here. Uh, explain Chase. the O's. You've told me this story. Yeah, the O's. Um, You're not sleeping tonight, by the way. It's fine. It's not like I have anything to do in the morning. I don't. My I open tomorrow. <laughs> I and, uh, tomorrow's, yeah, yeah, yeah. tomorrow's inventory day, which kind of sucks. But I don't. Have to, I, hell um, I don't have to go in until eleven a.m. So cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wednesdays Wednesdays are usually kind of slow at Arby's too. I thought so, it's more of a nighttime <laughs> thing. So, <laughs> so the O's. Yeah. So uh, I have a buddy who I I who I really I can't even really explain how we met, but he's an internet friend. And there's like a group of friends that like it's we all talk all the time. We're good friends. We 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 talk every single day. And basically, he's like the main character of 
this group chat that we have. And there was a point in time after shortly after I met him where these the O key on his phone didn't work, which is crazy to me because, you know, everything's touchscreen nowadays. For some reason, the O was not working. So for like a couple months, he was using zeros for O's and then it just became a thing and it stuck. And we still do it to this day. We just, whenever we talk to one another, we just replace the O with zeros. And th- that's like the Spark Notes version of it, essentially. But uh, yeah, I'm, that. I'm going to do with like a coach or something. No, no, no. I didn't have oh. anything to do with a coach. No. Damn. I did okay. tell you this story a long time ago, though. Yeah, I probably this had was, too many drinks like, at Tipsy. This was, yeah, this was like five months ago. So <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you for not remembering. But yeah, basically, it's a, it's, it's a friend of mine. Uh, you know, he, he just, for a while, used had, had no choice but to use zeros for O's, and it just stuck. And, and now I, it's just become a part of me to where I just couldn't let it go. Once I started doing it out of habit to people on King's Twitter, I was like, okay, maybe I can scale back. Then it got way out of control. It got it got so out of control that now everybody on King's Twitter is doing it. So I, yeah, I know Kevin. I'm sorry. It's it's not that <laughs> story, but that's Ke- that's the, that's the origin story. Kevin said this is so much less cool than I thought it would be. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny to me. Um, but you have converted a whole lot of people. It, it's, Dude, I, yeah, there's people saying, "Oh wow!" When they, yeah, look at that. Stephen Stephen Castaneda is saying, "Oh wow." You know, Frank, I, I, Frank is in love with it, dude. Frank, Frank loves when I say you enjoy. He tells me, you enjoy. <laughs> yes. he, says, like, he you showed enjoy. me your guys's back and forth the other day. Yeah. Like, where he said you enjoy, and you were like, no, you enjoy. <laughs> and then he was like, no, you. Or you yeah. said something my, like that. My, he was my like, cousin, dude, you my, can never get the last tweet. He always my, one up you. <laughs> my my cousin Zach loves that about Frankie. He's like, dude, I just, him saying you enjoy to us is like the funniest thing ever yeah i i don't even it's taken on a life of its own so i mean for sure it is what it is all right yeah i hope everybody enjoyed the last 20 minutes where we did not talk about <laughs> basketball at all shout out key kings who definitely just got here and said hey guys hour 48 into the show <laughs> this is by far the longest episode i've had like I'm, sorry. We've, I'm sorry we've surpassed people are going to see the normal king speed numbers people are going to see the runtime they're like oh mm, no pass <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know a local guy and a non-local guy this is going to be a tough one <laughs> so all right man well i appreciate you drew guy yep as good as it gets um I'm happy you on here more often. Is this the first time? It is, right? Yeah, yeah. First time you tried. You've tried so many times to get me on. I'm like, ah, I'm busy doing local guys. I, stuff. I've tried, tried. Yeah, it was. I've yeah, like floated around just to be yeah. nice, and then been like, uh, do I really want to do this? And like, uh, shit, I guess. And now you're regretting it. An hour and fifty minutes into the first episode that you've had, for sure. Like, PR will talk to me tomorrow and be like, dude, you can't do that. <laughs> like, this is just not okay. Somebody called me Judas. Meg called me Judas in the chat. I appreciate it. There are enough people calling me Judas. The one is enough. If it's multiple, we're all good. I already got too many nicknames that I do not approve of. That we're just gonna pass on that one. So. Um. Yeah, that's all I got. You'll be at game one. I will be at game one. So if you're at game one, uh, feel free to just walk up to me and just sock me in the face if you want. And the most popular uh, guy in the stadium. Just let let me know where you want to punch me in the face. I'll meet you there. Mm. 
Yeah, but I appreciate you having me on, man. Seriously, this was fun. Of course, man. And uh, can't wait to waste two hours of everybody else's everybody's time once again the next time we do this. Appreciate you doing it, um, <laughs> especially for how freaking long this was. That was not my plan in the slightest. <laughs> I would never a- dare to ask anybody to do this long of a show, so I appreciate you. Um, and I appreciate everybody that happened to listen. Uh, there's a couple people in the chat that have been here for a good while. Yeah, man. Including Kevin Kev, Fippen. Man. Kevin Fippen, yes. the GOAT. Of the King's Herald. Of the King's Him, Herald. Him, myself, and all the other great guys and gals there. I tend to think do great work. And a good handful of them, I believe, will be at game one and game two. And kind of trying to figure it out. Oh, Bryant, Brian West! Bryant just got what here. the heck is up, Bryant? Um... <laughs> Go Gales. Go Gales, U.S. Yes. I, I, yeah, I should have known that's where this was going. Um, but I, I was saying, myself, Kevin Bryant in here, and we got the rest of the guys and gals at the King's Herald who do phenomenal work. So definitely check out their site and take a look at their Patreons below local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Bulls podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from me and someone else i guess or maybe drew again we'll see in the next couple days